0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Y'all doing all right? Good. I'll take that as a yes. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake, and I'm uh, I'm just so glad uh, that you've joined us today. We're continuing our uh, fall vision series that we began two weeks ago, and then this uh, series is all about how we change, specifically how how we change to become like Jesus. You know, to become as uh, you know, loving as Jesus, as uh, compassionate, as as uh as just as as kind as joy filled like, how do we how do we stop being selfish you know or, or lustful or uh, easily angered or you know on and on and on like that's what this series is about how do we become like Jesus now before any of y'all uh, think um well you know I I really like to become like Jesus but uh, I'd also like to be able to fly and uh, have a billion dollars, you know. Uh, and so you just think, with the, you know, we're just talking about things that are utterly unrealistic. If if that's if that's how this idea strikes you, then I, I get it. I I really do. It feels far fetched to me at times. Um, but uh, I want us to just begin today by thinking about a passage. That, uh, where in Luke chapter six verses thirty nine and forty, where Jesus says something, and these two verses is short. It's one of the shortest parables he tells, but he says something in this passage that I think is uh, worth chewing on. And so uh, let's just look at this because I think it could give us some hope that becoming like Jesus actually is perhaps more possible than we think it is. See, so in Luke chapter six verse thirty nine, uh, it begins this way: it says uh, Jesus says. Uh, or he also told them in this parable. Talking about Jesus, can the blind lead the blind? Now, what's the answer? Uh, not very well, right? And then he says, "Will they not both fall into a pit?" And the implied answer to that is uh, yes. And he goes on and he says. Uh, the student, and the word there in the Greek for students, the word mathetes, so we talked about it last week. It's, it's usually in the, in the New Testament translated disciple, but here it's translated student, or it can be translated in the modern day idea of apprentice, but that's what he's talking about. So the student or the disciple, he says, is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, this is a warning, isn't it? Like in context, this this reads like a warning. I mean, Jesus is saying, be careful, you know who you follow, because uh, there are guides out there that are functionally they're blind guides, and 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 you if you follow them, then you and them, y'all are both going to end up in a pit. And uh, the reason he says that you would both end up in a pit is because you will become like your teacher, right? I mean, that's, that's the warning. So, be careful who you follow. Now, uh, that's, that's a very good warning uh, that we all need to hear uh, because Jesus is communicating, like, that's what a teacher's goal is. It, the teacher's goal is to help you become like them. You see, in the, uh, Jesus' day, the goal of any a rabbi, which Jesus, as we've talked about in the series, is, was a rabbi. But the goal of any rabbi was to teach their students to become like them so that they could go do what the rabbi did and pass that along. And so that's the goal. If you, if you follow someone, you need to be aware that, the, that they have this, this, this power to really kind of influence, shape, form you to become like them. So be careful. Be careful who you follow. We should all heed that warning. But I want you to think about this from a different perspective, because if this is true, then what happens if uh, Jesus is the one (laughs) you choose to follow? What if Jesus is your teacher? What if that's the the person, that's the one that you really attach yourself to, and you say, okay, I'm going to Follow you so that over a period of time, and it's a process, it's going to take time, but over a period of time, I'll allow you to fully train me. Then, friends, what, what, is, what is this saying? Well, Jesus is saying, ah, You will become like your teacher. So you, you look at it from that perspective, then this isn't just a warning, but it's also a, a, it's a statement of hope. It says that if we will really follow Jesus, If we will allow Him to be our rabbi, we will learn from Him, we'll allow Him to fully train us, then we will become like Him because that's Jesus' goal for your life. Jesus wants to help you become like Him. He wants to help you uh, see your character be shaped to where you are full of
1: love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Where you're
0: full of compassion. Where you're moved to, to serve others and to give life instead of take it. And when in all of that you find that you have life and life to the full. Like this is what Jesus wants to produce in our lives. And my guess is no matter where you're coming from, you know, New to Christianity, just checking it out, or been a Christian for 20 years. That's all something that we would like, isn't it? We would like to become more loving. We would like to be full of more joy. We would like to be at peace instead of anxious and worried all the time. Well, that's what Jesus wants to accomplish in our lives. That's what he wants to, he wants to train us so that we will become like him. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. But the question then becomes, okay, if that's what Jesus wants to do, and since it's Jesus, and he if he's your teacher, then then he can actually make that happen because he's Jesus, right? So he's like fully capable to bring about his goal, right? Like that he's got that power. So he can do it. And so if he wants to do it and he has the power to do it, and if we want that, at least to some degree, for to become like Jesus, then uh, here's the question. Why does it happen, <laughs> right? I mean, why, why does it just feel like so often we're just stuck? Do you feel that? Like you're stuck in a certain sin pattern or stuck in a certain thought pattern or stuck in a certain kind of way of relating? Like, why, why does it just feel like, man, I've got this character flaw and I would love for it to change, but it just keeps showing up again and again. And I can't seem to get past it. Or just, why, why, why do I keep making the same bad decisions over and over again? Like, why, why is it? that you know, just feel stuck. If Jesus wants us to change and we want to change, why do we not change? Why does it seem like we're just kind of stuck you feel that way good well not good but i feel that way and so that's why it's good because i relate with you and you can relate with me so but like we want to get past that why can't we get past that well that's what that's like really the question i want to spend some time on today and and what i want to point out is that there are there are two big reasons There are pro- there are probably more but there are two Real big reasons that I want to point out this morning for why we often feel stuck. When why do we so slow or we just don't see any change in becoming more like Jesus? Why? And then after pointing these two out, I want to point us a way forward. Does that sound good? You're alive, you're awake out there. We're like, all right, let's help help you figure out how to become more like Jesus. Okay, that's good. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Father God, we do turn to you now. We just ask that you would speak to us this morning. Help us see how we can become more like Jesus. And uh, God, give us your desires to want to become like Jesus. And make us more loving and joyful and peace filled. Make us like Him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So first reason. First reason why we often are stuck, why we don't see this change happening where we're becoming more and more like Jesus. The first reason is because uh, Jesus is not the only one that has the power to form us or to shape us. This is what I think Jesus is warning us about in Luke chapter six when he says, "Hey, be careful! You know, these are there's other guides. Some of them are blind guides. If you if you attach yourself to them, they're going to form you to where you will become like them. There are other forces out there that have the power to shape and form us." Because we, and Jesus knows this, are not uh, static as human beings. We are you know, dynamic. We are changing. We're susceptible to the influences of others and the influence in our world. And so we are at all times being shaped or formed, whether we recognize it or not. In truth, the question for all of us that we would be wise to ask is not, you know, am I being shaped or am i being formed the, the wise question is who or what is shaping me who or what is forming me and and the truth is friends uh, for many of us we we wouldn't be able to point to a specific individual individual like that's my rabbi that's my teacher and i'm becoming like them but all of us <laughs> in reality can say that we are being shaped and formed by the formational powers of the world that we live in. And all you have to do is just wake up in the morning to feel their power, to feel them uh, influencing you and shaping you, shaping how you think, shaping what you do, shaping how you live, shaping who you are. Like, you don't have to do anything to, to, to try to be influenced by them. You just wake up, you go to class, you wake up, you go to work, you wake up, you, you check your phone, and you are, and I am being shaped and formed. And we need to be aware of that because often those influences are not shaping or forming us to be like Jesus. They're shaping us or forming us to be like something or someone else. Now, how does that work? Well, I, I want to just kind of dive deep into that for a minute, okay? So stay with me here. But uh, there's three ways that we are all being shaped by the, by the world that we live in. The first is this. It's by the stories that we are told, by the stories that we're told. See, uh, we all um, have stories or narratives that we live by that make sense of this, like, chaotic You know, messy uh, world that we call home. And the stories we believe shape how we see ourselves and how we see the world and how we see our place in it. But not all the stories that we're told and not all the stories that we believe are true. And that's a problem. Because the false stories we believe have the power to shape and form us, and they don't shape or form us to be like Jesus. For example, uh, a common story that we're told in, uh, in this world is that uh, who you are, your worth specifically, is determined by what you do or what you achieve. We all have kind of felt that, right? It's a common story in, in our world. And if you buy that, then it will uh, determine what you chase after and what you do with your time and what you value and prioritize. You will run after good grades or career success or whatever you latch on to to prove your worth. And friends, that's just one of the many stories that we're told in this world. And it's one of the false stories, one of the many false stories that we're told. And if we latch on to any of them, then it will shape us and it will form us and it will not form us to be like Jesus. That's one of the ways that we're being formed just just by being alive, living where we live. Second way is this, uh, we are being formed by our habits. Formed by our habits. And here's what I mean by that. You see, over the past few decades, all sorts of work has been done in the field of psychology regarding the power of habit. And, when, and what people are realizing is that we are a little more than the cumulative effect of our daily and weekly habits. Because what we do shapes who we are. Or put another way, the things that we do, do something to us. For our habits are behaviors that are so deeply uh, ingrained in our brains that we perform them almost automatically or by default. And so it's in that way that our habits shape our loves
1: and our longings. But what you give your time to often becomes what you want to give your time to.
0: And what you do often becomes what you want to do. You know, so think about this. Like, you go, if, if every time you get some money, every time you have some free time, you go shopping then what do you want to do every time you get some money or have some free time? You want to go shopping. The, the, the things that you do, do something to you. It just is like becomes the thing that you want to do. Or like, you know, if you binge Netflix every night, then what do you want to do every night? You want to binge Netflix. And, and if you, If every time you hear a juicy piece of information and you want to go and tell someone in, every time you get something you could gossip about, you go and gossip. What do you want to do whenever you hear something? you, You want to gossip. The things that you do do something to you. They actually shape your loves and your longings, your behavior. They shape and form you. That's another way that we are being formed. Okay, third way is this. The third way we're being formed is through the relationships that we are involved in. For we become like the people you hang out with. Talked about that last week, if you were here and you pictured me wearing my clothes backwards, right? Like that's what that was. That was the story that I told last week because of my friends. And in sixth grade, loved we're all into crisscross, and so then we started wearing our clothes backwards because my friends were wearing their clothes backwards, and then because I'm an idiot. But this is it: your friends shape you. Whoever you spend your time with, whether it's your family of origin or your close friends or your roommates or whoever you spend a lot, with, they will have an influence on you. They will begin to shape how you think, what you wear, what you do, how you spend your time. And that that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing or it could be an in-between thing depending on who those people are but it doesn't matter it doesn't change the reality that our that our relationships have the power to shape and form us. And again all you have to do is wake up tomorrow, go about your day and you will be forming all, you will be feeling all of those formational forces. Now, there's, there's one more thing to keep in mind, and that is that all of those things happen within a certain environment. And for us, that environment is Central Austin or it's the UT campus, right? And, and both of those places, Central Austin, UT campus, uh, they function like master rabbis because they have an incredible power to shape and form you into a certain kind of person they uh it's some of it is great i mean i personally i love this city like i don't i don't know about steven he was like yeah you know, it took a little time to figure out if he liked being in texas i don't think it's because he wasn't here in austin yet but you live in austin he's like this, this is the best city right? right i'd much rather be shaped by austin than by dallas or by houston but
1: Glad you agree. I say that, and I get some claps. And I'm talking about Jesus. You are quiet. There's so much good about being
0: shaped by this city, but not all of it's good. You know, I mean, there are many there are many ways that by being shaped by the UT campus or being shaped by Central Austin, uh, where you're where it's contrary to, uh, to Jesus' life and character. It, it's contrary. It goes, uh, it's upside down compared to the values and the priorities of the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to be aware of that because this city, it, it's a formation of machine. And it has an idea of who it's wanting you to become. And, and you will feel it by the stories that were told in this city. And you're going to feel it by the habits that are championed in this city. And you're going to feel it by the relationships that you form in this city. And those things will work together to shape you and to form you. It's why there is such a thing
1: as a stereotypical Austinite. So, uh, we're all being shaped and formed. And it's not shaping and forming us to be like Jesus. Not in every way. Now, keep in mind,
0: this formation, it doesn't happen instantaneously, right? It all, always happens over time. It's, it's a process. But the longer you live here, the more you'll become like the people here. And this is just works against us. It's what makes becoming like Jesus hard. It's one of the things. Why we often feel stuck, why it's hard to be grow and become like Jesus is because he's not the only one that has the power to shape us and to form us. And so the question is, how do we overcome that? Like if we're going to become like Jesus, then how do we counter all of these other formational forces that we feel just by waking up each day? And that's a... That's a really good question. Here's how to answer it. The way that we will overcome that is by what we were talking about last week. It's by being with Jesus. The being with Jesus is how we will still become like Jesus. To go back to the passage of last week, John 15, 5, it's where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and the fruit being a, being in, in terms of His character and His actions, that we will see the life of Jesus produced in us, making us more and more like Him. See, that's how we change. It's by being with Him. We become like Jesus as we
1: remain in the vine, as we be with Jesus. However, that brings me to the second big reason that becoming
0: like Jesus doesn't just happen. It's because we
1: often fail to remain, don't we? The uh, re- remaining in Jesus
0: or remaining in the vine, the use metaphor, takes intentionality and it takes perseverance from us. See, we have a responsibility. Like we have a role to play in having our character shaped to be like Jesus. God has a part, and you and I have a part. And our part is to do the remaining, and his part is to do the changing, okay? And so uh, this is why, again, to go back to John 15, this time in verse 4, Jesus commands us, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. How do we become like Jesus? We remain in him. He produces it in us, but we have a role to play. We must do the remaining. I love how St. Augustine uh, captures this real succinctly when he said in
1: the fourth century, without God, we cannot, but without us, God will not. For our becoming like Jesus is a joint partnership. But the good news is
0: the partnership isn't 50-50, okay? <laughs> See, Jesus does all of the heavy lifting. For example, uh, it's only because Jesus would come and live the perfect life and die in our place, rise again, that we could be forgiven and be reconciled to God and be united to God forever, just simply through faith. He all we have to do is believe that and we are saved, we're reconciled to God, we're united to him to make it possible for us to in fellowship be with Jesus, to remain in the vine. And, and once we are remaining in him, Jesus does all the heavy lifting too, making us like him, bearing his fruit in our lives, produces fruit in his life, changing our character, transforming us from the inside out. He does all of that. What we have, our one role, is to
1: remain. And yet, remaining in Him isn't easy. Because unfortunately, it's not our default setting. Like, I
0: wish it was. I wish that we just constantly walked around and think about remaining in the sense of, like, being fully aware of Him and connected and dependent on Jesus, finding our life in Him. Like, I wish that we lived that way all the time, but (laughs) I don't know about you, but like, that's not, like I said, it's not our default setting. And so it takes intentionality on our side of things to choose to remain. And in addition to that, as I just laid out a second ago, we have these other forces that are at work to form us and these other forces these other formational forces the stories we're being told and the habits that we form and the relations that we have they all have they all basically i think it's helpful to think about them almost functioning like gravity like if you go with the metaphor of the the vine and the branches jesus the vine where branches when to remain in him in order to produce his life these things it's like they're pushing down on us pushing down on the branches, seeking to push or pull us away from abiding or remaining in the vine. See, we, that's why choosing to remain or remaining in Jesus so he can produce his life in us, it doesn't just happen because it takes perseverance. Oftentimes we get tired or we get pushed aside by these things or we get swept aside and, and, and we just give up in the remaining or we get you know, deceived and pulled away. It, it, it's like if you continue this metaphor if you will and i'm i'm gonna push it to a little bit of an extreme here i hope you'll stay with me but it, it's 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 like we need a trellis It's like we need a trellis to help us remain in jesus see so a trellis if you know you might not all uh be familiar with this oh, but if you go to a vineyard you'll see this in action Uh, A a trellis's role is to support the branches of the vine to help them stay connected to the vine so the vine can produce its fruit through the branches. The trellis uh, supports the remaining. And we, friends, we need a, a trellis to help support us, to help us remain in the vine so that Jesus can produce his fruit through us. And this trellis, functions on two levels. It it helps us, like I said, it helps us um, remain, encourages us, it helps us stay rooted in, and it helps counteract the gravitational forces that are seeking to push you down or pull you away. So, for example, we need a trellis that, or one part of a trellis that we need is we need biblical teaching to counteract the false stories that we're being told and that we often believe. So We we need to be uh, told the truth, and not just the truth about what's right or wrong, but the truth about reality. We need to be told the, the true story about the way things really are, about who God is and who we are and what this world is all about, our life, is all about, and friends. That's what biblical teaching does. See, I don't think that it was a uh, accident that Jesus came as a rabbi, as a as a teacher, like that. He spent a good amount of his ministry actually teaching people. He did that because he knows that we need teaching, and we need to hear from God the true
1: story of reality. And uh, that's what God's Word does. It tells us the true story
0: of reality. And in doing so, it combats the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world that we're told. Lies about who we are and how the world works. So, for example, through biblical teaching, we learn that our worth is not determined by what we do. But by who God says we are and what God has done for us, that's how we know that we have ultimate worth. We're true significant, that we're truly significant. We need the word of God to be taught to us so that we know what's really true. Of course, the, 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 the theme path, the theme verse, the classic verse on this, is found in Romans chapter 12. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, like to to be radically changed. How? Through, the verse goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind. So, friends, this is why worship and teaching, what we're doing right here on Sundays, along with things like being taught from Scripture. When you open up the Bible to hopefully tomorrow morning and you, and you let God speak to you from his word. That's why that is important. Like, like a sermon podcast is, is helpful. It's why being mentored by another follower of Christ, being in a huddle or something like that. It's why all of those things are really helpful. They help aid in our spiritual formation. For biblical teaching helps counteract the lies of the world, and it helps reinforce our desires and drive, and drive to stay connected to Jesus, to remain in the vine so that He can change us to
1: become more and more like Him. But having said that, teaching, which is really aimed at renewing our
0: mind, is not the only part of the trellis that we need because you can't just think your way into Christ-likeness. I wish you could. I wish if you just knew what was right, then that means that you would do what is right. Uh, But that's not how it works, is it? And so we need another part of the trellis. We need uh, to practice the ways of Jesus in order to counter our unhealthy habits. See, all, all the books on habit will tell you that the way to get rid of one habit is by replacing it with another, right? So if you want to stop drinking coffee, then you should replace drinking coffee with tea or su- you know something like that. Well to counteract our unhealthy habits, we need to we need to intentionally practice the way of Jesus. We need to take on his practices to form new habits or rhythms to our life. Which these practices When I say that word, it's broad. It can look like this. The practice of Jesus can look like adopting practice based on the lifestyle of Jesus, which I briefly mentioned last week. Things like prayer and Sabbath and silence and solitude. Uh, Next Sunday, Justin is going to be preaching on these kind of practices. And I can't wait because I have fully, just fully convicted and convinced that these are like bread and butter for becoming more and more like Christ and remaining in the vine. So I'm looking forward to that. But that it look like taking on some of those practices. It also like, looks like putting Jesus' teachings into practice. Or another thing that putting, uh, taking on the practice of Jesus can mean would be just uh, taking on his practices of mission and ministry, practices like serving others and caring for the marginalized and preaching or announcing the good news, the, the gospel. See, and, and when you do that, it will do something to you. Because what you do does something to you, as I said again uh, earlier. And I, Jesus knows this. That's why like, throughout his ministry, he really stressed putting his words into practice. He were with us uh, this past uh, spring, when we were preaching through the sermon on the mount you may remember how jesus really like uh, book ended the bulk of his teaching with the call to put his words into practice do you remember that or you think about luke chapter 8 when jesus says my mother and my brothers are those who hear god's word and put them into practice <laughs> right it's like this is a this is a big deal he knows that, that when what we do matters, not just because it matters, but because it matters to who we are becoming, that what we do does something to us. Oh. As we engage in the practices of Jesus, the Spirit works through them to, hab- to rehabituate our loves and our longings. And they begin to change. The orientation of our hearts and our attitudes and our affections resulting in us, growing in our love for being with Him. The the biblical teaching renews our mind, but engaging the practices of Jesus helps shape our hearts because it's our practices or our habits, if you prefer, that give shape to our desires and loves, resulting in us desiring to be with and to partner with Jesus all the more, helping root us in the vine. Now, in the next two weeks, we're going to talk more about that. And like, I don't know if that, you, know, you might not be sure you buy into all of what I just said. Stay with us. I'll, I'll be able to talk more about that. You see, just the power of the practice, taking on the practice of Jesus and what they can do, not just to what we do, but actually to what we want to do. This is one of the things that we need to counteract the formational forces of this world, and to help us, drive us deeper into the vine so that Jesus can change us. And there's, there's one more. That's a, that we need a community of Christ followers to counteract negative relationships. See, we all need people in our lives who know us and who care about us and who love Jesus and are pointing us towards Him. We need a community of people who will spur us on to love and good deeds, and to abiding in Jesus. We need people who we can confess our sins to and who we can serve and who can, we can demonstrate God's love to and who will also demonstrate God's love to us. And friends, this is why um, Midtown communities are such a big deal to us. For a Midtown community is a group of people uh, who intentionally make time to spend with each other each week who will spur you on to practice the ways of Jesus so that you can do that together with them? See, and in uh, uh, and, and, and being engaged in MC, you will find a group of people that will really help strengthen and support your connection to Jesus, to, to the vine. Again, helping him produce his life in and through you. See, friends, it's these three things biblical teaching practicing the way of Jesus, being Christian community. They all work together to counteract the formational forces of this world and that can pull us away from Jesus. And like a trellis, they uh, these, three, three, these three things help prop us up so we will remain in the vine. But of course, even with all that support, becoming like Jesus still takes time all right? It's a process. And this this needs to be said in our, uh, you know, everything right away kind of mindset that we live in this world, in an Instacart or instant message kind of living, uh, Christian character, Jesus's character, it it cannot be microwaved. You can't overnight Christ-likeness. All you can do is grow it like a branch connected to a vine. But that's not a bad thing. That's how it was all set up to work. And so as you remain in the vine, you will, that's a promise, you will see his life being formed in you. For as Jesus has promised, if you remain in me
1: and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, before I wrap up, I just want you to know that this is not a um, theory for me. Uh, a couple of years ago, I felt like I had hit kind of a wall in my
0: walk with Jesus and my growth. And I just, like, I, I felt stuck. It, the stuff we were talking about earlier, I, was just, I I had a number of areas in my life, kind of like below the surface that were things that I just was, so discontent with, and yet I couldn't seem to break away from things like I was just extremely stressed out, anxious uh, all the time, and as a result, I think too I, I was I was uh, I, I lacked grace and patience when things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. I I would get upset really easily, and, and on top of that. I was, uh, I just was kind of unhappy. And, and not that the whole like point of life is to be happy. Uh, but I don't think that Jesus just walked around grouchy and, and, and mad all the time. In fact, I, I know that He didn't. And, and yet I felt that way. I was just like really like unhappy a lot of the time. and it's like, I, it's like I was just unhealthy on a number of levels. And I I didn't like it. I didn't want to be that way, but I I just wasn't. I couldn't seem to break free. I just felt stuck. I wasn't becoming more and more like Jesus. And so um, I began to lean into these three things, and they really had a profound impact on my life. Like, first, I started going to, to, to counseling. I got a Christian therapist I would meet with each week, and, man, it was so helpful for me because what this therapist, what my counselor did, is that he helped point out a bunch of lies that I was believing, this untrue stories that I had latched onto. And he would counteract them with the truth of the gospel and of God's word. And it, it was very helpful for me. And then not long after that, COVID hit. And I know that COVID is a terrible thing, okay? I know that. So don't, like, don't twist this. But for me, it, it was uh, helpful. Because for when COVID came, everything shut down and slowed down. And as a result, during that period of time, I found uh, space, time in my life to actually take up more practices of the life of Jesus. And I began practicing Sabbath, And I began practicing silence and solitude and began memorizing and meditating on scripture more than I had before. And that really, really began to help me. And then in addition to that, once we actually were able to start getting together again, I I really leaned into my huddle, this group of guys that are just really good friends. And I I, I was just more honest, vulnerable with them than I had been. And, and what their uh, encouragement and accountability really also helped me lean into Jesus all the more. Those three things, biblical teaching from the counselor, practicing the way of Jesus, and the Christian community in my huddle. God worked through them to root me deeper into Jesus so that he could begin to produce his character in me to a greater degree. And friends, it really was life-changing. And I know that term life-changing, it, it, it gets thrown around real loosely these days. But in this case, it really was life-changing for me. That I, became, I actually became uh, more at peace, less worried, less anxious, less stressed. I uh, began to trust God more, which also led to me being uh, uh, a little bit more chill a little bit more patient and gracious and kind, especially
1: at home with my family. And uh, it it helped me uh, find some more joy.
0: And I don't say that to say, oh, look at me. I'm all, like, I've arrived. I've <laughs> I have far from arrived. But I'm not lying. Okay. And, and I, you know, I, you can trust me because my wife and my two sons are sitting right there. And so if you don't believe that I'm telling the truth, you can come and ask them and you can ask them, Hey, is did Jake really change? And you can ask them, is, is Jake perfect? And in both cases, they'll say, well, in one case, they'll say, yes, I changed. And then the other side, they'll say, no, he's far from perfect. So I've not, I haven't arrived, but I'm sharing this with you because
1: like I said, This is not theory for me. I have seen the power of how
0: Jesus works in our life as you are with him, as you remain in the vine. And I can tell you, we need help doing that, friends. Because there are forces that are working to to push us and pull us away from remaining in the vine. And because remaining in the vine takes intentionality and it takes perseverance. And so we need support. We need help to remain in Him so He can produce His life in us. And Friends, I, I will just say, we have set our entire church up in a way to help us do that. That's why we teach from the word. It's it's why Sunday morning is valuable to us because we need biblical teaching. It's why MCs and huddles are so important to us. It's because we need places that we will have community and we need places where we will be uh, spurred on to take on the practices from the life of Jesus. And when you lean into that trellis, which I hope you will, I think what you'll find is support and encouragement to remain in the vine. And as you remain in the vine, as Jesus says, you will have his life, his fruit produced in you. And so this morning, my encouragement or application where I said, like, what do you want? What should you do with all this? One, I want you to be aware. There are other forces that are shaping you. And so take this seriously. If you want to become like Jesus, you can't just stay neutral because there is no neutral. What you need is you need to be intentional and you need to persevere in that as well. And so I would really encourage you to make it a priority to worship with us on Sundays and make it a priority to open up the word so that you're being taught from God directly through His Word each day. And I want to really encourage you to lean into an or to get into a huddle, because those two will really help you remain in the vine. That's your encouragement. Those are the steps I really want to ask you to consider
1: taking. Cool? Because listen, as we become like Jesus, it's going to help Austin become more and more like heaven.
0: Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.